everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This week we're really excited to be joined by Lorna Edgar from Bailey's Horse Feeds. Now I've worked with Lorna for about seven years now, which is has been amazing. She's been so vital for our horses and our team and our show progression and everything. So we're really excited to have you on. Welcome Lorna. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Exciting to be here. <laughs> So, Lorna, how long have you worked at Bailey's? I have now been with Bailey's for just over 20 years. So, yeah, kind of my career was a bit different to to most. I didn't do a degree after I'd left school, so I went on to go and be a groom. And I travelled the world grooming and in primarily polo and eventing. And then I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. So I started university at 25, graduated at 28 and then found Bailey's. And here I am now. (laughs) (laughs) What made you want to get into nutrition specifically? So I did an equine science degree and whilst doing that I really enjoyed the nutrition modules because I could relate to a lot of the situations I'd been in with horses I'd looked after and then it came to applied nutrition which is I'd say my strong point now is being able to go into a yard situation and work out you know what those horses are needing with what's in front of me. It was being able to apply the situations I'd been in during my working with horses to then studying and sort of amalgamating the two being practical but then being able to apply the science and I think that's where I really enjoyed going into Bailey's and working in the nutrition. Yeah it must have given you a bit of a head start as well in that because you were working within like a competition circuit and like on yards and stuff like that you knew what competition horses should look like and horses just in general. Yeah absolutely and people like you to have an understanding of their discipline and I think if you can associate with people like that and if you've worked on the the ground levels as a groom and then you're not you're not so intimidated by walking into a situation where you've you know perhaps got big names to be talking with but because of my grooming time I had already been able to (laughs) to deal with that so you're not so intimidated by it because I would say some people can be quite like blasé about equine nutrition and Mm -hmm. I'd say I definitely was before I met you yeah because when we first got in contact with you I was going to the Europeans in 2016 and that was with Apollo and it was in Valencia in Spain so it was such a long journey Mm -hmm. and the only thing he would eat is fiber nuggets yeah so I think I got in contact with you because I was like you know I have realised now that my horse can't compete at his best at the Europeans just fueled by fibre nuggets. <laughs> like, absolutely. I mean, they're, I mean they're, they're absolutely the most amazing thing ever and he would eat them whatever, but yeah. that's where I think, like, the nutrition side really comes into it, isn't it? Absolutely, and I think there's so many sort of feed companies, nutritionists, available to everybody. You can use independent nutritionists, but it's it, we, we're so focused on human nutrition as athletes and rider athletes that it doesn't make sense that you wouldn't think about the horses. And I think that's traditional as well. It's no fault of anybody's. So it's just trying to be open-minded. And I have to say, when I first met you, you were very open-minded because I came in and made (laughs) such big changes to Apollo's diet because he did have his 
special needs and <laughs> could get hot. And um, we, it was sort of as I was getting to know you and what you needed from him and getting to understand his quirks and him not wanting to eat so much and when he's traveling and trying to keep the fiber intake. So it, it, there's lots going on that hopefully once you find somebody you can work with and doesn't mean we have to visit all the time, but just being able to be on the phone to make those little tweaks that can make a difference. I think people do underestimate how how nutrition can help. Because I would say having your help really made such a big impact in me being able to get Apollo up to Grand Prix. Because I think at that time, I think Apollo was like 16. And I think had I just kept feeding him what I was feeding, which is like whatever the feed man delivered, Mm -hmm. I don't think he would have had the energy resources or, you know, the the nutrition to be able to get up to Grand Prix at the age of 16. Like it just wouldn't have happened. And the muscle tone and the the strength and power to do what you were asking of him as an older horse as well. And I think the younger horses can get by and they will and the mental attitude as well. But then as you're wanting more from them, the little nutritionists like us, isn't it? Humans, we need to be careful what we eat. And as we get older, um, <laughs> <laughs> that's even more so. So, um, yeah, absolutely. We I think as we... well, like the importance of nutrition in terms of like a veterinary perspective as well. And that things go wrong mm-hmm. on a yard and things happen. And it's great with you as well, because if, say, I don't know, hypothetically, a horse is tying up or colicking or something like that we can message you and just be like what should we feed them because also that can help aid recovery for those mishaps as well and the management and your progression of management after you've had a mishap Mm. to try and avoid anything like that happening again so yeah it's teamwork what what drew you specifically to Bailey's like can you tell us a little bit about like the history of the company and yeah so I well back in back in the day 20 years ago (laughs) um it was flicking through the horse and hound (laughs) and there was an advert and I thought wow wow. that sounds really varied because they wanted somebody to do yards and talks and maybe article writing bit of everything I thought that's quite good I wanted something quite varied so off I went and got offered the job and then I loved liked the idea it had a nice feeling about the place when I went in it wasn't all you know spick and span and modern but it was comfortable and very family friendly place Bailey's is still owned by the families that started it in what was it 1982 and they initially used to just use bread (laughs) and they used to micronize the bread and sell it as a conditioner but then as obviously when Liz my boss got involved I think it was around 1985-ish and she then started formulating proper feeds to then develop it into a proper you know nutritionally balanced rations for various horses and then 40 years on we've got about 30 different products and any of them still bread based or not bread no (laughs) (laughs) no we couldn't do that I never knew that that's crazy yeah because bread is wheat so it's conditioning yeah would they just get like stale bread it would it be like fresh loaves or well apparently (laughs) king's half and half Yeah. As that evolved and became more scientific, they actually started the cooked cereal meal, which is literally micronized wheat, and that is number one. And that's where it started. So we still have number one cooked cereal meal, which people still use, and that is 100% micronized wheat. So that's how it 
Wow. How it began. And is it all produced and because obviously it's a British brand, so is yeah. it all within this country? Yeah, so it's all manufactured in our own mill in Essex near Braintree. And we source as uh, the grains as locally as possible. And with the change in the industry with using, you know, low starch rations becoming a lot more in demand over the last probably 10 years we have to go abroad and source as sustainably as possible for the likes of soya talking about obviously baileys was founded in the 80s Mm. it's interesting i think how feeding horses has evolved from then in that i've sort of noticed that it used to be big feeds like competition horses Mm. used to have massive buckets Mm. of like oats and alpha and like literally scoops and scoops and i feel like what i like about baileys and how we feed our horses based on your advice is actually I think people would be surprised and we've mentioned this before about it doesn't look like much in a bucket Mm -mm. but it's almost like quality over quantity in that what we are giving is enough for Mm -hmm. our horses I mean Terry for instance my horse he's at PSG and he was on two cups of low-cal balancer throughout the summer (laughs) and he happy days like you know was competing really really well and I just think it's have you noticed that as well like obviously working within the industry as long as you have sort of the evolution of feeding and how it has changed absolutely and i think balance has changed that a lot it's like a godsend isn't it balance i love it really is they have such a major part in feeding so many different types of horses and um less is more sometimes which i think people see the animal as being a big individual that we need to feed a lot too but that's not always not always what's in the feed isn't it what's in the feed and the digestibility is a huge part of that and then not overfeeding in the bucket again small meals because this the rugby ball stomach mm. <laughs> doesn't stretch so the huge half buckets of feeds that you do see at times the horse doesn't get the opportunity to absorb it all because it goes through the system too quickly so lorna what sets baileys apart from other feed brands in the uk I'd say that we're still a family-owned business that is still very much involved. Everybody is still involved with the evolution of new feeds and how the company's going in sustainability. And we're very passionate about trying to educate the horse owner and educate the horse industry. A lot of what we do is all about education, 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 and hopefully trying to, because the majority of us at Bailey's, whether it's from the directors down to the likes of myself majority of us are horse owners as well so we have an understanding as to what people are wanting and in all different disciplines you know from thoroughbreds to polo to dressage eventers there's lots of different experienced horse people working for a company that is trying to do the best for horse owners yeah i'd say that's so important because i can remember you coming on days when i'd be on world class and we'd have the whole team here Mm. and because you understand so much about the horse as a like as a whole being Mm. you could work with the vet and the farrier and the saddler and everything yeah whereas I feel like if you only knew about the digestive system you'd probably be a little bit like oh what what, what (laughs) else why does the saddle make a difference that type of thing but it was so easy to work with you because you just got it yeah you know 
And I think the education side of it's really important as well, because I think it's all well and good having a nutritionist come to the yard and just say, I'll feed them this or feed them that. But Mm. there's no education backing that up. Like as riders and yard owners, you do need to have some sort of understanding to have the initiative to sort of what to feed your horse as well and day to day, because it's always changing, isn't it? Depending on their workload and like we were saying, mishaps and things like that. So I think that's really important as well. So one of our listeners sent in a feed dilemma. Mm -hmm. They said, hey guys, I have an ex-racer that I'm hoping to do some in-hand showing with next year, but I'm really struggling to get weight and condition on her. She's a happy hacker, but can also be a bit hot-headed. So I'm worried about overfeeding her and making her unmanageable. What is your advice on what to feed her? Okay, so I always like to focus on fibre first because that is what the horse has evolved to digest very effectively. I would be asking the question is she eating her hay well does she have a good appetite for her forage is she in the field eating grass or is she out there stargazing what is she (laughs) is she focused on her fiber and if the the appetite for fiber is good and the fiber digestion is effective in the hindgut then the the hard feed is so much more easier to tailor to your horse's needs so i would think of the quality of the hay haylage grass how much is the horse eating if it doesn't have a great appetite then we might think about using products like the new meadow cobs maybe fiber beet freeze-dried grasses like ultra grass anything like that to try and pick up the fiber intake initially then we would be looking at a low starch product because we don't want her to have any more energy so but we're needing some calories for you to then be able to take her to the the show ring so maybe something like easen excel where you're feeding a low starch but high calorie ration And depending on how much she will eat, if she has a good appetite for her hard feed, we may top up with a balancer to ensure that she's getting enough overall nutrients, the proteins, vitamins and minerals as well. And you could, if you wanted, top up the ration with Outshine, which is the high oil supplement. Again, focusing on low energy, as in low starch, no quick release energies from cereals. The other thing you might like to consider is if you feel that the hindgut isn't working effectively is to look at using a pre-probiotic supplement that can sometimes help to build up the beneficial bacteria in the hindgut. Just for clarification then Mm. for our listeners and also myself, so feeding things such as fibre beet, Mm -hmm. is that sort of not necessarily energy inducing but just like sort of calories and condition whereas starch is that high energy then yeah so your cereals wheat barley maize oats will all provide starch and not all horses can cope with starch in their ration and because we're talking about an x-race horse you shouldn't really pigeonhole them but if she's saying they um, it does have quite a bit of energy that the starches could exacerbate that's you know excitable energy and then fiber beet so your beet pulps your digestible fibers they are all part of providing a slow release energy so shouldn't increase (laughs) shouldn't increase or make horses excitable going all the way back to the beginning of this dilemma yeah so is fiber in grass yep Absolutely. Okay. Grass is fibre. So, I would never think that. No. That's so silly. So just like... from a sorry, from an idiot's point of view. So we can't eat grass because it's got fibre in it. But what what do we Where eat? Are you that's going got fibre in it? Your vegetables. <laughs> I'm just confused. <laughs> 
Your so vegetables. I'm glad we've clarified that. So now all the listeners know that humans can't eat grass. Thank you for that. <laughs> I mean, They're learning that, so much. I just we went, won't find oh Joanna out in the fiber, fields. There's fibre in grass. <laughs> Okay. I didn't actually know that, to be fair. No. I didn't know if I was in grass, but I wouldn't. No, but then I'm like, oh, what? what's that that you eat? Um, yeah. What do you eat? What? The cereal that you like. Oh, bran flakes. Yeah, that's high fibre. Is that so? That's not grass. <laughs> okay, we're... <laughs> actually, going on, now you've brought up bran flakes, weirdly enough. So I know that bran flakes are high fibre. Hmm. That also is good sort of, this is so like crude, laxative, isn't it? Like it... It passes through your body quickly, doesn't it? Fiber. Well, is it shouldn't right? do. Well, oh, okay. it, it will help to keep your digestive system Going. moving. Are we okay. talking about horses? <laughs> I'm getting my own like health advice. <laughs> yeah, don't if go. I eat bran flakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay. No, I just because that made me interested because I know like your horse Simba, who's like needs to be fed a lot because yeah. he yeah he's quite skinny naturally. He has fiber, and I was just wondering like if it passes through their digestive system quickly how does that then keep weight on them if that makes sense well but... it shouldn't pass through too okay with the horse because they're quite different to humans, humans. Yeah. um it shouldn't pass through too quickly but if you're feeding a good quality fiber i.e nice field of grass um, a nice digestible soft leafy hay or haylage they will have the the gut fill and the right nutrition from it to maintain a good calorie intake. And the likes of Simba, once he settled down, him living out has helped him so much mentally, but also physically. (laughs) (laughs) He's mental. (laughs) Physically, because he's holding the weight and he wants to constantly eat. For context, Simba came over from Germany as a rising six-year-old with a fractured tooth, mm. and he was just skin and bone. <laughs> we started off on a really good, good, yeah. You see why you bought him. I know, I know. And um, <laughs> luckily, I was working with Lorna at the time, so I think we quickly like worked out how to mm. feed him and how to keep him going. And as well as that, I think because he'd come from Germany as a young horse, he probably just lived in a barn and he did not know how to eat grass. No. So he was like you said, he just stargazed. He just <laughs> would go in the field and just be like wow look at that bird (laughs) yeah so then to combat that I put him in the field with another horse who does know how to eat grass and now he's you know I think I think he's always going to be on the skinny side isn't Mm -hmm. he because he's just a bit long as well but god if if I didn't have you I don't know what we'd do he's also he's not a foodie I think that makes a huge difference as well like some horses are just not really like they pick at it whereas some others I mean god like Terry are huge foodies you know like it's all they think about all day yeah yeah and it's quite often the the quirky ones that (laughs) are needed to compete at high levels and then I don't want it yeah (laughs) I'm not hungry actually thanks (laughs) done with that um on just on the flip side of the dilemma actually if you have a polar opposite horse so one that's a good doer Mm-hmm. but needs energy, mm-hmm. what would your advice be for them? Because I think that's equally as tricky. And I'm just thinking about one of ours. I mean, we've got a cob mm-hmm. that's at PSG, stepping up to into one. And obviously he's classic cob, good doer, yep. loves food, mm-hmm. literally trample you for a blade of grass, <laughs> but needs the energy to be yep. able to do what he His does, job. which is really physically exerting. So what would your advice be for that? So balancer, definitely. And then building on the balancer, we could go two ways. We could, if it's stamina that he's struggling with, as much as sort of impulsion, we could look at using Outshine again, the oil supplement. But adding that, so calories and energy are the same thing. So 
whatever additional calories we're putting in for to increase his energy levels, whether it's slow-release energy from the oils from Outshine or quick-release energy from cereals, we have to be mindful that if he has a few days off, we need to cut that right down so he's not going to store that as excess body weight. But the lowest calorie, highest energy option would be straight oats, bruised oats alongside the balancer. And then you would fluctuate those oats according to his workload. So you'd build them up towards a competition and then cut them right back down again. And um, going back to supplements, actually a question that I had for you as well is, are there any like feeding fads? So things that lots of horse owners do that are actually not of benefit to the horse? Because I think sometimes we have horses come in, don't they? And they're they're on God knows how many it's supplements. It's like more powder than feed. Yeah, you know, it's like alpha with some cubes, but then it's like six scoops of powder of various different, different supplements. And I just wanted to hear your viewpoint on that, on how many supplements out there do you think actually do their job? Or do you think there's a lot? I mean, it's like with people, isn't it, taking vitamins? It's that whole like debate of like, do they actually help us or is it just We take we it like? because we feel we need it. Yeah. yeah. I think with the horse... If they're on a balanced ration, you can build around it. What I what you find is particularly sort of with hoof supplements, for instance, people will not be feeding a balanced ration. The feet are poor. So why is that? Because we need to think of the whole base ration before then using supplements so people would rather use a small amount of hard feed and then buy a hoof supplement to give it the biotin which actually if you were feeding it properly in the first place you wouldn't need to go and buy a hoof supplement because everything should be in that bag of hard feed if it's fed to the to the recommended quantities and if they're digesting their fiber good quality fiber effectively there are so many supplements and I think people just have to be mindful of what they're doing um I worked with a horse many many years ago and it was a quite a a learning curve for me because up, up until then I hadn't always asked how many supplements these horses were on well this particular horse I went in we looked at the in the feed room looked at the supplements and I said is he getting all of there must have been about six seven pots up on the shelf oh yeah he's getting all of these but because he's on this and then he started lacking energy so I'm giving him lots of different things so I said let's strip him right back to basics so we did two weeks without any hard feed just forage and then slowly introduced a balancer and went up to the right amounts of the balancer and didn't add any supplements and he came back a different horse and his coat was better his skin was better and he had the energy and it was just a real eye-opener as to how they will contraindicate each other if you over-supplement. There's a happy medium and supplements are there if, if we need them but I think it's making the diet balanced initially and then working around it. That's really interesting because a lot of horses we have come in we say don't we I mean not that we're nutritionists but just even from like a visual and like smell sort of appearance it's like just some borage and loads of powder yeah and we're like that doesn't even and not that we're eating horse feed but like (laughs) it doesn't look appetizing (laughs) so if I was a horse I always think like fiber nuggets look delicious and I I know that's a really weird thing to say (laughs) but if I give them some I'm like oh I think I'd like to eat that if I was a horse yeah but we've just been through the fact that we can't eat grass (laughs) and we also now cannot eat fiber nuggets as well (laughs) okay (laughs) 
So I'm wondering, do you ever get any like really odd feed requests, like <laughs> feeding zoo animals or something completely bizarre? Yeah, we do. The nutrition line at head office will get people phoning in with random questions that throws us off track at times. Um, so camels, but luckily we do produce a camel feed. <laughs> believe it or How not. How did that Which, even happen? <laughs> Which number is that? <laughs> it doesn't have a number. It's in. Um, it goes to the Middle East. <laughs> I never knew that. Yeah. What do Big camels export. eat? <laughs> they have a. Oh gosh. I imagine it's quite a high protein. Uh, it's a mix, isn't it? Camel mix. Well, yeah. they feed the mix, mix that Bailey's produced around them. Wow. Obviously. For camel racing in, in the Middle East. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah. I never knew that. That is wild. Yeah. Do you ever have people as well that like don't listen to your advice? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Frequently. <laughs> that must be really hard. Um, I think that's I like the whole get... world over though, isn't it? Yeah. You, they, they, people like ask for people to come out like that are professionals in that field and then they're like no actually I know better than you I <laughs> you're, like, it, you're like yeah. uh. I find it more frustrating if they don't want to take on my advice that's fine I find it frustrating when you people will come and ask you questions but they will tell you all the answers <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I sort of stood there do you want me to help you tell you? So like I find that harder. As well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's like teaching people, and you're like, "What do you want to do today?" And they're like, well, "I want to do this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and then we're going to do it like this." And I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. Oh, you're like, maybe, maybe do it this way. <laughs> no, I think I'm going to do it this way. Teach okay. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Off you go. You know better than I do. <laughs> and also, we wanted to know what is coming up in the future for Bailey's. Anything exciting? Well, we've just had the launch of the Meadow Cobs, which is very exciting. And what is Meadow Cobs? Because I'm not going to lie, when I read it, I was like, "That's a weird breed of cob horse." <laughs> I was like, "Because <laughs> you get like your regular cobs," and I was yeah. like, "Meadow Cob, interesting." <laughs> it is 100% grass. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, we'll have to get you some to try. Yeah. So it is literally 100% grass, and it's made into a cob. Which is the like a like like a nugget, like a fibre plus nugget, but bigger, and you soak them, and it makes it into a nice fibrous, grassy. And what would mash. you feed that to? You can feed it to all types, so the calories are very low because of the time that the grass was cut. It was mature; they're mature grasses, so it was cut at a time that the, the calorie intake is low. So you can feed it to a good doer. You could feed it to a horse that won't eat enough fibre, like our thoroughbred in the dilemma. You can feed it for horses when they're travelling. All different types of horses could. So sorry, just going like slightly off topic. How does cut grass work? Because I know that like if you cut the lawn, you can't feed it to the horse. No, but it's dried okay. as soon as it's cut. It is taken to the mill where they make it, uh, dry it and make it into the cobs. So there's no time for it to ferment. I was with you. I thought it was some cobs. Uh, isn't a cob a type of bread as well like a shape of bread yeah it is. going all bread. the way back to circling the back to the beginning <laughs> to of the episode to the 80s <laughs> back to bread back to the bread <laughs> <roots. to> basics <laughs> So keeping up with modern times and the importance of sustainability, mm. how would you say Bailey's fits within that? 
So Bailey's very aware of the, the impact on the environment and we now, all our bags are paper bag, trying to move away from plastic as much as possible. The mill is now running with solar panels. They've just put in another field of solar panels to try and move away off-grid. Electric forklifts at the mill, electric charger points for staff cars. They're very much aware of the environment and trying to reduce their their impact. Um, the tubs of treats that we've done over the years, aware of we need paper bags rather than just plastic buckets um, as refills to try and again reduce the amount of plastic being used. I do um, like the paper bags. Yeah, I really like them. And then sometimes if we have like a livery horse in that has a plastic bag, it's really annoying feed, to open. Sometimes I'm like, oh, what are we going to do with this? Like, you <laughs> no, know, I'm like are... huffing and puffing because I'm like, oh, God, I have to get this. Because yeah. I get the paper bags, you can just tear open with yes. your hands. They're so easy to open. And then. Yeah. Plastic ones, it's like I was stomping around because I'm like, I have to get a pair of scissors now because I can't <laughs> open it. And obviously, yeah. like the recyclability, like, it's oh, yes. <laughs> not just like the ease of opening it. But... <laughs> First world problems. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so final question is mm-hmm. a question we ask everyone mm-hmm. What is your equestrian ick? Okay, so I will keep it on the theme of my job. It has to be, there's a couple, but I think I will have to go with. When horses are stood up in front of me and people will say, it's fat here, pointing at the belly and the stomach. But you can actually see the ribs. (laughs) And I wish people understood where the horse stored body fat and that the belly doesn't always mean that it's fat. So focusing on the crusty neck, the fat pad behind the shoulder, over the top of the ribs and the tail head, not the tummy. I think so often confirmation and grass tummies or horses out of work or not using their core properly are misdiagnosed with being fat. I think that's a really interesting point, actually, and not one that a lot of our listeners would necessarily know, because I think, like you were saying, I mean, I even looked at Terry yesterday, I thought, oh, you look a bit you know tubby Mm. when I took his rug off but I was just looking at his tummy because then I ran my hand over his ribs and I could still lightly feel them and I thought oh no actually like he's just built like that because he's very short coupled and he's a bit pot-bellied naturally he just (laughs) is some of them are but I do think we do fall into that trap of just looking at them from that perspective yeah and interestingly the more top line a horse loses the more the belly stands out so they're on into a lose-lose situation really but that would be my ick yeah and i think some horses hold themselves like that as well because Mm -hmm. we've got one like samantha's grand prix horse when you bring him in from the field he looks really pot belly because he's almost like puffing out and then as soon as he's in work it's like like yep. sucked in isn't uses it? his core yeah and, and he looks amazing and you're like oh no you're amazing well as well like our brood mare you could say oh she's so fat because look at how low her belly hangs mm. and it's like well no yeah no, no look how many folds she's yeah. had and yeah you know those those muscles on her tummy aren't toned and used because she doesn't need to <laughs> she's not in work so yeah I would say I've got a feed-related equestrian ick. And I don't know if this stresses you out, Mm -hmm. but sometimes videos come up online and it's like, what I feed my horse? And it terrifies me Mm -hmm. because it's so much. Mm -hmm. And it's like, like we were just saying, it's like, 
a scoop of this, a scoop of that. And then mm. sometimes supplements that like contradict themselves. Yes, like, that's always... like a magnesium supplement and like a, an energy supplement yeah. at the same time. And and then, you know, the comments are like, no, the horse has to have this. And I'm like, oh my, oh my God, that's terrifying. <laughs> and they have so many views as well, these yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, frightening how... Really frightening. Yeah, I feel like mine's overuse of supplements, I would say. Like you were saying, Lorna, if you've got a good base feed, yeah, you might need, say, the odd supplement for a specific issue, but I think when you're making feeds up with six different tubs yep. and three scoops of each, I do just think that's not... That doesn't sit right with me and it no. doesn't look appetising. <laughs> and I want to feed my horse a feed that looks nice. <laughs> Also, sorry, a quick one. Mm. Where do you stand on water in feeds? Because I know a lot of people are like, you can't feed anything that's dry. It has to be uh, wet. Yeah. Oh, it's it really is personal preference. I work in yards that will not feed. They don't like a beet pulp, so they will feed half a scoop or a scoop of water to the hard feed or a yard where they they don't use any chaff beet pulp water they just get cubes and it really is personal preference to the horse owner or to the horses i'm afraid <laughs> so there's no there's like not right or wrong really yeah okay because mm. some people are really some people can get really funny about it online and they're like no it has to be wet mm. you know it's got to be really big and sloppy i mean if they've this a horse has had choke in the past then absolutely but or even if in the winter you feel as though your horse isn't drinking that much yeah because like with terry for instance if it's a bit cold i notice oh He's not drinking as mm -hmm. much as he should, so then I make a sloppy feed sloppy because feed. then Absolutely. I know that he's going to like... Yeah. But that's just getting fluids through them. But I think the actual concept of the feed has to be wet for it to be digestible, I think that's where the difference lies potentially, mm. isn't it? Yeah, I think... But, you know, you think of how the horse horse's digestive system works and when the molar teeth are grinding is when saliva is being produced so they manage that themselves very well so there's no hard and fast rule I think it's a personal preference or a clinical issue as to why you need to use a wet feed or or not. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame featuring Lorna Edgar. Thank you so much, Lorna, for coming on today. We really cool. appreciate your time. And if anyone would like free feed advice, underlining free, <laughs> then be sure to head over to Bailey's website or social media pages. Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me. So we're going to go and make some content now with the horses. So be sure to keep an eye on the Bailey's Instagram and our Instagram for that. And we will see you next week. Love you. Bye. bye. Thank you.